power is a scary thing. And uh, I think sometimes I think when we talk about power, maybe, maybe we, we think about it more in the negative because it's a fearful thing. And I think most of us have seen power abused, so therefore it's just like maybe power is this, this, corrupt, this thing that corrupts us. But there's no denying that there is, there is the presence of the power of God in the story of the acts of the messengers. I, I just kind of backed up a little bit because I know that most of us, when we turn in the Bible to this, this book in the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, we, we, might, we might be tempted to think, well, you know, that, that story, I mean, it's kind of like the, the Gospels are about Jesus. And man, we, how, we can't ever be Jesus, even though the Bible says we are to follow in his footsteps and that he became just like us so that we could do that. We might be tempted, the acts of the, we think, well, the apostles, you know, no wonder, no wonder there's powerful messages. No wonder there's signs and there's wonders and this great power because they're apostles. Well, could I just kind of back up a little bit and just kind of say, legitimately, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not rewriting the Bible. Uh, apostle, another synonym of apostle is messengers. So really, what Acts is, it's really a story about the deeds of the messengers of the kingdom of God. And just think about where, so far, I mean, we've had 120 followers that were messengers. Then we kind of, kind of looked at Peter. He, he is an apostle. But then we've, we've been talking about Stephen. He's not an apostle. He's a deacon. And so it's not, just a, it's not just about the deeds of apostles. It's not about this special class of people. I come back to this story is about ordinary Jews who, who changed their mind about who Jesus was. That they, they won, they decide, they decide well, Jesus is alive. How'd they decide that? Well, he showed up. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesus, and I'm alive. Okay, <laughs> I believe you're alive. And, and they, they, they just acknowledge there is resurrection from the dead. And then, then they, re- well, he, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. Je- Jesus is the promised king, the king that was promised to come by the prophets, Jesus is it. He's the one. He is the one. And they also, they also changed their mind about the concept of the kingdom of God because Jesus' message is the kingdom is near. It's so near you can enter it. And, and they, they changed their mind about the kingdom of God. So we're really, we're really looking at this story of ordinary people just like us who began to follow Jesus. And as they followed Jesus, they announced his message. And, they, and it's not just verbal. Yes, there are words. But, 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 did you, but do you notice that as the message is delivered, there are these deeds that are done. And so it's really the, the acts, the acts of the announcement, the acts of God demonstrating so there's this naturally supernatural activity, these messengers empowered by the Holy Spirit to do and to say, to, to demonstrate and, and, and to, to declare the kingdom of God. And there, is, there are signs and wonders and acts. And, and what that means is God, as he's watching this activity on earth, says, you know, 
That's my message. Jesus is alive. The kingdom is near. And because that community of ordinary people is announcing my message, I can confirm that message. And I'm going to do it with supernatural events. So that's what this is about. And, and we've seen it happening with the 120 in the upper room. We've seen it happen with Peter. We've seen it happen with Peter and John. We've seen it happen with Stephen. And this morning, we're going to, we're going to kind of just ch- kind of change the kaleidoscope and look at Philip. Again, the reminder that Philip, Philip's not an apostle either. Philip, like Stephen, was one of the deacons that was appointed by the apostles to serve the widows. But again, like Stephen, it was like, but you know, that's great. I'm going to serve those widows well, but I'm also, I'm going to also announce the kingdom of God. And so we're going to watch Stephen in his activity. We're also being introduced kind of to the next place. Because when Jesus started this whole thing, he says to the 120, hey, hang out in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit fills you with power. And that power is so that you'll be able to tell of my kingdom. And you'll be able to tell of my work. You'll be my empowered witness. You'll be my messengers, empowered. And you're going to do that in Jerusalem, Judea, then Samaria, and then you're going to go to the ends of the earth. And so we're moving now out of Jerusalem and Judea into Samaria. And so here's a little map just to remind us of where Samaria is. The southern state of Palestine at the time of Jesus is Judea. The middle state is Samaria. The northern state is Galilee. And then do, y'all, do you remember, just a little aside, that if you were a righteous Jew and you, you lived in Galilee and you needed to get to Jerusalem, that you never went through Samaria. And the reason you didn't go through Samaria is because the Samaritans were these half-breeds. So they were Jewish people that intermixed with Assyrians and came up with this different race, different culture. They had a little bit different twist on Judaism. Remember the woman at the well and the kind of her, well, we worship God here and you worship God there. Remember some of those tensions, that the, the story of the Good Samaritan? So, I mean, Samaria was not a place that the righteous Jew went. They avoided, they actually went around Uh, Samaria between Galilee and Judea. But not Jesus. He traveled through Samaria. And now, as the church is being driven out of Jerusalem by persecution, where do they go? The place you're not supposed to go. They go to Samaria. Led by the Holy Spirit to be the messengers in Samaria. So Acts 8, verse 4 through 13. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became messengers. Wherever they were scattered, they announced the message about Jesus. Going down to a Samaritan city, Philip proclaimed the message of the Messiah. He announced, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king, and the kingdom is near. That was the announcement. He was heralding that in the Samaritan city. When the people heard 
what he had to say and saw the miracles. So again, deeds, announcement, followed by demonstration. The clear signs of God's action, they hung on his every word. Many who could neither stand nor walk were healed that day. The evil spirits protested loudly as they were sent on their way. And what joy in that city. Previous to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, from little children to old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers, and they called him. The message says the great wizard is actually the great power of God. They called him the great power of God. He'd been around a long time, and everyone was more or less in awe of him. But when Philip came to town, announcing the news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon. They were baptized, becoming believers right and left. And even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, so fascinated with all the God signs and miracles that he, that he wouldn't leave. Philip sighed. So the acts of Philip, we can personalize these deeds done. The, the act of this messenger, Philip. Now notice he, he, like others, was forced to leave Jerusalem after the persecution that broke out after Stephen was stoned. And, and again, just remember, they, they, they didn't go out of Jerusalem complaining. They went out of Jerusalem filled with the Holy Spirit to tell the message. All right. Next place, next town, here they go. And that doesn't minimize how difficult that was. Just think about the widows. The widows that were being taken care of, they're scattered into these Samaritan places too. But as he goes, he announces the message of, of Messiah. And again, just, just the boy, it's Jesus is alive. The resurrection of the dead has happened. And the kingdom of God is here. That, that's the announcement. He's just making that announcement. There's a new king. And as he does that, the kingdom is demonstrated by things being set right for the lame, by the sick. The sick are healed. It's a demonstration that the kingdom is here. And then, then there's this displacement of the kingdom of darkness. So, so demons are driven out because, because God's here. The, the kingdom of God is here. And, and so that, that deliver us from the evil one is happening. And then notice that that Philip, as at that, that, that activity's happening, he's, he's inviting people to follow Jesus, and there just seems to be this compelling... You know, people say yes. People believe. People are baptized. People are identifying with Jesus through this baptism. And then just that last, that's that last phrase just really jumped off the page. All of that activity by this one messenger, Philip, in whatever city in Samaria this was... It brought joy to the city. And one of the individuals that the message of the kingdom impacted was Simon Magus. He was a wizard. He, he was called the great power of God. He amazed, astounded, but at the same time confused the Samaritans. 
I don't know what kind of magic Simon practiced, but, but it's, 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 it's a syncretism of some sort. It's not disconnected from God. It, it, God is involved in this in some way in his mind. But there's, there's some subtleties in this paragraph that I'm going to try my best to communicate. There's a verb that's being used, and it describes both the ministry of Simon through this wizardry, but in a negative fashion, and then it's the same verb is used to describe what Philip's doing, but in a positive. And, and what, what, it, what it, it seems that Luke is trying to communicate is that, that, there, that there are these spiritual forces, both Simon and, Pete and Philip, they're, they're trying to, to bring a spiritual and kind of this emotional and this mental balance with this message. But actually what Simon is doing one, one word book describes what he does as bewitching. He's bewitching people. And rather than balancing people out spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, he's actually confusing them. But he's drawing the attention to himself so that he is being praised as the great power. He is being paid. He's making money off of doing this. And, the, and this is another real subtlety. He amazed. He astounded. Whereas when you get to Philip, people were amazed. You notice the passive? People were astonished. Not with Philip, but with the God behind Philip doing these things. See the subtlety of that? So as, as Simon bewitched people by really messing with, maybe, maybe it's an idea of the shalom, people's well-being, when, when the kingdom of God comes, it displaces. Did you notice all of a sudden, hey, nobody's paying attention to me. I mean, I thought I had the title, the great power of God. Nobody's paying attention to me. And then even Simon in his own, he's, then he starts listening. And so you have Philip with, with a greater power. There's something more powerful about this message of the kingdom. So the Samaritans... Somewhat, this, they're amazed, they're astonished, and at the same time, they're, they're fearful of the miraculous, the extraordinary, the difficult-to-understand events, but they're drawn. But they're drawn not to Philip, they're drawn to Jesus. And so the glory's going to God, not Philip. And then this spiritual, this emotional, this mental balance becomes evident, and it's and it's also one, people are having a wonderful experience of encountering the kingdom of God and the king. And there's this joy in the city. So people are believing. People are committing themselves to following Jesus. People are being identified with Jesus through baptism. And Simon's magic is being undone. So much so that Simon himself believes in Jesus, is baptized. And then he's just like, he is, he's just sticking to Philip to learn all that he can. Now, as I, as I read that, that story, and then I think about, okay, that was the then, and what about the now? I think about our community. And I have several questions here, but, 
But then there's, there's one that probably sticks with me more that we'll get to at the very end. What, what joy are we bringing to our cities? Well, I mean, the citizens of New Braunfels, the citizens of San Antonio, Schurz, the citizens of San Marcos, the places where we tend to come from, are, are, are we bringing joy to our cities because of the message that we proclaim and demonstrate? I think so. Inga says, I think so. Well, we want, I mean, isn't that a great picture of, of a, a group of people following Jesus announcing his kingdom, announcing salvation, God demonstrating the, the very best that can happen, and, and cities rejoicing. But then I think about our message. What is our message? Then I think I'm, I'm broadening out from us. And, I, and, I, and it just seems to me like the message of the church of Jesus Christ on this planet is a very mixed message. You don't have that same mixed message. In, well, in our history. And, and so with this mixed message, I just, wanna, I just want, can I just recruit you? Keep the message to this. Jesus is alive and the kingdom is near. Just announce that everywhere you go. Jesus is alive, the kingdom is near, and see what happens. Just, just stay there. And then other, like other, you know, other brothers and sisters around the planet, just... The message is, we, let's, let's recruit each other to get back to the message. Because I, I, I don't think the same kind of deeds are going to accomplish the message until we're really giving the message. I mean, there is a God in heaven who would love to confirm. I think there's a God in heaven who said, I would love to say, yes, that's my message. They're delivering my message. And I want to help them. And I, and I can do it this way, which compels people to follow, which then brings me to, you know, who, who is believing? Who is following? Who is identifying with Jesus? I mean, we've got 10 kids who've been to camp this summer. That's remarkable. That's off the charts. But like within our community life, or even within, if you broaden out, like within the 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 church that exists in the cities around it, who's, who's being compelled to follow Jesus? It's happening here. Why isn't it happening now? And then what about, what about the kingdom of God? Displacing whatever magic, whatever kingdom of magic. Now, there is greater power in the kingdom of God than anything else. But maybe all those are just kind of warming me up to ask, you know, what, what are we contributing to the spiritual, emotional, and mental balance of the people around us? And maybe that's connected really to the message. I mean, even, I mean, how spiritually, emotionally, mentally balanced are we? See, the things we believe impact how we feel. The things that we believe affect our thoughts. 
And then there's spiritual dynamics so that you and I, as people, just ordinary people following Jesus, we can be really well-balanced people. So much so that people are like drawn to the one that balances our life. But how balanced are we? You know, when my car gets out of whack, I get an alignment. So we, I just, as a community, we want to be aligned. We want to be aligned with the message. Jesus is alive, and the kingdom is near. Now, we can have conversation about a lot of other stuff. Jesus is alive. <laughs> the kingdom is near. And that's our true north. That's what keeps us on, on track. That's what keeps us balanced. And if we get off on all the other stuff the church can get off, we get out, we get out of balance. And then it's hard to steer straight. And then nobody comes to know Jesus. So could, would you stand with me? Can we just kind of pray that direction? Jesus, I want to thank you just for our history. I want to thank you for Philip and thank you for whatever city this is in Samaria that he visited. And I want to thank you that he delivered your message and that in delivering your message, you confirmed that message by demonstrating your kingdom on the planet at that time. And Lord, within this story, there's this, this, this subtlety that's really hard for me to describe, so help me. Somehow, people, when they heard that Jesus was alive, when they heard the announcement of the kingdom of God, when they committed to believe, to be baptized, to follow, that somehow that brought a balance to their spiritual, emotional, and mental well-being. Lord, apart from your message, like the message of Simon was a disruption to people's emotional, spiritual, and mental health. So, Lord, how do, how, do we, how, do we, how do we contribute to proclaiming your message today so that those around us can step into spiritual, mental, emotional well-being? How does that happen? Would you align each of us today? Would you get our thoughts going straight? Would you take hold of our emotions? Would you let us be in a good place spiritually so that there's balance in our life based upon who you are and what your message is? And then would you empower us 
to live that balanced life, and as we do that, to deliver. To deliver your message to our generation. Empower us by the Holy Spirit to do that. Jesus, thank you that you're alive. And thank you that the kingdom is near. We bless you. Amen. If you're feeling out of alignment and you would like additional ministry, please stay. We just will do some ministry over here. If you have your prayer request and you want prayer today for that, again, we'll be over here and you're welcome to receive ministry as well. Thank you for our morning together. Enjoy a cool and a wet day. Yahoo! <laughs>